Hello, everybody, and welcome to Level the Field Leadership. I am your host, Rachel Gallardo, and I'm so happy to have you guys with us today because, as you know, one of my passions is coaching and workplace culture and basically how do we limit fatigue in the work environment. And the beautiful thing about today's episode is that we will be talking to leaders, but if you are in HR, if you um, are in any kind of leadership position where you have to oversee the work of others, or even if you are a human being working for an organization or working for yourself here on planet earth, this is going to be so helpful for you. My goal, my hope is that you will see this, uh, your position in a little bit of a different role. And we're going to really dive into the deep world of industrial organizational psychology. So I really, really enjoy this stuff, and I hope that you will find some valuable information in what we're going to be talking about today. So without further ado, let's jump right on in. So when we have a job or we have a position within an organization, there are two types of performances that we are doing on a regular basis. We have what's known as a task performance, and then we have what's called a contextual performance. So what is a task performance? A task performance is something that you are physically responsible for. So for example, if you are a receptionist, typically their job is to answer the phone and maybe organize any mail that comes in. If you are a teacher, you have certain learning outcomes that you have to, to teach to the class. If you are some sort of payroll assistant, then you have to make sure that payroll is processed on a regular basis and that it's done accurately. Okay, so these are these are called task performances. They're typically the, the foundational principles found in our job descriptions. Hopefully you work for an organization that has job descriptions. Hopefully you work for an organization that has an updated job description. If not, maybe that's something we can talk about later. But anywho, these, these task performance items are, are the main responsibilities that a person has for working at XYZ organization. Now, on the flip side of that, we have what are called contextual performance. So when somebody is engaging in a contextual performance within their work environment, then they are doing the things that are necessary to maintain the organizational, social, and psychological environment so that such that the organization itself can operate. And today I'm going to be touching base on a lot of different references and I will post all of that in the show notes. So for if you're nerdy like me and you want to go dig a little bit deeper, it'll be there for you. But really the contextual performance are those those soft skills that you can't really you can't really put your finger on, but it's what makes the person so valuable for the organization. So going back to our three examples, the receptionist, she doesn't just answer the phone. She answers the phone with enthusiasm and she's very aware of customer service and she knows that she is the front line for the organization. The teacher, not only does he or she teach the learning outcomes for the student, but he sees another instructor is struggling and he offers to help her um, or help him or whoever it is they're helping you know, to, to maybe with a class project, or maybe they're, they're having a really hard time with a, um, uh, like classroom management situation. So they'll, they'll step in and, and help each other out. Uh, the payroll assistant, not only do they process payroll, but maybe the payroll assistant noticed, oh, so-and-so is going to be short this month because of whatever, maybe a leave or FMLA issue. And so they take it upon themselves to pick up the phone and let this person know their paycheck is going to be short before payday 
instead of them waking up and seeing the shortage in their bank account with Wells Fargo, right? So they go above and beyond to help communicate information, to help maintain that cohesiveness within the organization. And these are items that are very, very hard to measure because they are very subjective, okay? So we've got task performance and contextual performance. So why in the world do you as leaders, why is it important for us to make sure that we are understanding the difference between the two? So this is when our, our lovely term of OCB comes into play. And again, OCB is Organizational Citizenship Behaviors. When we talk about an OCB, this is the voluntary commitment that each employee has within the organization or within the company that's not necessarily a part of their contractual responsibility. It's not in the job description. So this is where the receptionist, for example, decides, yes, I'm going to have good customer service and I'm going to be friendly. And you know what? I'm going to go get him a cup of coffee. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure that cup of coffee is not listed in a lot of job descriptions for the receptionist, but she takes it upon herself to, to, have customer service in that regard because she knows how much it can benefit the organization. Okay. This is a personal choice. This is not necessarily something that the, the supervisor tells the person that they need to do, but it's something that they take upon themselves because they know that what they're doing is going to make the company better. Okay. Now, we could get into a little bit more detail with this. I'm just going to barely put our toe in the water because there are five different types of OCBs, but we're not going to dive all the way in. I just want to make sure that we mention each one of those so you can kind of have a general idea of what I'm talking about. So one of the OCBs that a person can engage in is altruism. So they are more than willing to help somebody within the organization, and they don't expect this person to help them in return. It, they have, they, they receive nothing for it. They receive no praise. There's no stipend. There's no overtime. They're just doing it because they see their, their fellow, their fellow man is in a situation. They have the ability to help. So they're stepping in to help and it's not going to be a tit for tat thing later. So that's one type of OCB. The second type of OCB, and man, this one is a dying breed in society in general. It's just courtesy. Just being polite, being mindful of other people. I do like to eat tuna fish. I don't bring tuna fish sandwiches to the work environment. Why? Because I don't want to smell up the rest of the, the hallway or, you know, have a student of mine walk in and it's just freaking nothing of a, but a, you know, fish market, right? So that that's what we might mean by general courtesy. I, you're very mindful of what it is that you're doing and you're polite and you're considerate whenever you engage with other people in the organization. And it, it's not even the words that you say, but sometimes it's just your behavior. You're, you're considerate of other people. You consider how this might impact them. And so maybe instead of the tuna fish sandwich, you opt for the ham sandwich, right? Um, a third type of OCB is general sportsmanship. So there's no pouting if somebody doesn't get their way. They're generally, they're genuinely happy for their, their colleague when their colleague makes a really incredible sale or they, they find some error in the, the balance sheet and that, you know, gives them a lot of praise from the CFO. They're, they're legitimately happy whenever somebody else does well. And it's not one of those, oh, poor me, nobody's recognizing me situations. 
Okay. So we got three down. We've got altruism, courtesy, sportsmanship. The fourth one, which is a lovely word to have to say on a regular basis, is conscientiousness. So a person that is conscientious and they operate in this type of OCD, they are aware that what they do makes an impact. And so if they have to pick up the slack, maybe on the weekend, or maybe, you know, get into the office a little bit early, just to make sure that they're caught up. They're very mindful of how, what they do and what they don't do, how that impacts the entire team. And they don't want to disappoint their fellow colleagues. So they, they operate under that OCB to go above and beyond to make sure that everything is taken care of. So that way the team doesn't fall behind. And then the last one, the last OCB is known as civic virtue. So these individuals are very mindful of the importance of representing the organization in a positive way. So they don't get on social media and complain about this person, that person, that customer's blah, blah, blah. They don't do that. They aren't gossiping at lunch. They're not going to happy hour and ripping on their boss. They're just, they, they understand that, you know, it is kind of a, an unofficial agreement that you just don't talk about your organization in public. Now we all need to vent. I'm not against venting. Trust me. My, my husband gets enough of that from me from time to time, but I, you don't do it out in public, right? There's a, there's a safe environment for that to occur. And then there's a very inappropriate environment for that to occur. All right. So when we talk about OCB, those are the five that we can be pulling from. And I'm sure as I was going through each of those five, you could think of, well, you know, this one kind of resonates with me, but you know, Jan that I work with, she's a little bit more like this. And, and you can kind of start to see who within your organization maybe has stronger OCBs in certain areas, maybe one, maybe four, maybe all five. But then you also start to see who maybe doesn't have those, okay? And we're gonna to get to why it's important for a leader to recognize those OCBs in the work environment. So just, just camp with me for a little bit more. Let's get through the meat of it. And then I'm gonna give you dessert here in just a second. So research says the reason why these OCBs are important is because it shows a relationship for two different things. The first thing it shows a relation to is employee engagement. And the second thing that it shows a relationship to is fatigue. Hmm. So on this podcast, we're talking about ways to limit fatigue. And then lo and behold, OCBs, there's a relation when it comes to fatigue. Look at that. It all works together. So basically the research of this, I know I'm a nerd, just hang in there. Um, the research says that if a person is having to control their emotions a lot, so let's say we're getting a, a frontline customer service and not to pick on them, but, um, you know, T-Mobile or Verizon or Amazon or, or anybody that's really on the front lines of some heavy customer service complaints that can come in. If this person is having to constantly manage their emotions with every single customer that they are encountering, their ability to give anything else to the organization diminishes. And it diminishes because they are so exhausted from all of the emotional baggage that they're having to put into their job. Okay. And they're trying so hard to fulfill that task performance component that they have a really hard time of doing the contextual component of their job. And so this is where we start to have some of those workplace issues that emerge. 
Okay. There's also been research that has shown that from an organizational perspective, if the person has favorable relationships with their coworkers, then this increases what's known as social capital, which increases the group performance. Okay. So if you have a team of people and they all really enjoy working with each other, the chances of them having diminished OCBs and thus having diminished fatigue in the work environment, all of that goes down. Now, we don't really know where the balance is between having too much teamwork, where there's, there's too much hanging out, too much camaraderie, and where the, you know, the, the balance for where the fatigue kind of dies off. So there's still some more information that we need to gather as far as that goes. But it's interesting to know that if, if a person is having to, let's say they are in a customer service position, but they have a really strong connection with their team members, then the chances of them feeling this fatigue, feeling this negative effect of their work environment diminishes. And the ability for them to engage in one or more of those five types of OCBs that we talked about goes up. Okay. So what does all of this have to do with being a leader? So if you are a leader and you are responsible for, you know, obviously you're always responsible for yourself, but you're responsible for leading a team of people. We need to understand there are three things that are important. Number one, there needs to be a balance, which I kind of alluded to just a minute ago. So you can't have too much camaraderie with people because then they won't do their task performance, right? They won't do the foundational things of their job. And also too, we, we wanna make sure that there's, there are certain lines that aren't necessarily crossed. So there are some HR departments out there that have very strong uh, parameters, I guess we could call them, as far as um, engaging in conduct outside of the work environment. And like I said, there does need to be a little bit more research to really understand what the balance is, but there does need to be some sort of balance. So that's the first thing that a leader should do, understand the balance and just kind of take notice of what's going on. The second thing it's important for a leader to do is to simply trust your gut. You can always tell if somebody is lying to you. You can always tell if somebody's faking it. You can tell a fake smile. You can tell a fake laugh. There's a lot of things that people can tell like, okay, you're not really in it. I get it. When I say trust your gut from a leadership perspective, you can kind of tell if engagement is real or if it's fake. Are they really, do they really and truly enjoy their job or are they doing all of this because they're trying to impress you or they're trying to impress your supervisor, supervisor, like how many levels up are they trying to, to do? True um, motivation, at least in my opinion, and there's some research that kind of goes back and forth on this, um, intrinsic motivation is huge. And where you get that motivation within yourself will drive you further than anything extrinsically motivated. So in my my regular main role as a, as a professor, I really and truly enjoy teaching my students, okay? And that for me is my intrinsic motivation. Yes, I like whenever they tell me they learned a lot in my class. And yes, I, you know, I, I like having summers off. Like all of that is really great. But really it comes down to knowing that I've made a difference and an impact in their life. And at least in, in the world of teaching, you can tell the people that are in it and the people that are not, okay? And the final thing, so three things. First thing was to trust your gut. Second thing, find a balance. And then here for the third thing, 
we need to be very mindful of moral licensing. And this is not limited to people that have leadership responsibility within an organization. When I say moral licensing, I mean, if you do something well, you engage in an OCB, you go above and beyond, you don't post anything on social media, you are helpful of your neighbor and you don't take any credit for yourself, but yet deep down, you think that that justifies you taking a two hour lunch break instead of the hour that you're allotted, this is when you're engaging in moral licensing. You've justified it to yourself that because I do all of these great and wonderful things that these particular rules right here don't apply to me. Well, I can go ahead and take this pack of paper home. I can go ahead and uh, let me just go, you know, buy what I need to buy on Amazon real quick. Nobody's going to know. I mean, after all, I help so-and-so with whatever project. That's not okay. And whenever you cross that line, you're actually engaging in what are known as counter workplace behaviors. And this is where we start to get into more severe issues where perhaps HR has to get involved because there is theft, um, there's workplace violence and all sorts of other negative things that can come whenever we start getting into counter workplace behaviors. Okay. So just be very, very mindful of the moral licensing thing. And again, this is true regardless of if you have a title or not. If you are engaging in an OCB, if you are going above and beyond for your job, you should be doing that because that's who you are as a person. That's how you are as a leader. That's how you are for the organization. But that doesn't mean that you get to then take from them as well. So in summary, leaders should be very mindful of what their employees are doing. Okay. But we also need to be mindful of what we are doing as well. We should never hold other people accountable and expect for them to do certain things that we are not willing to do ourselves. okay? We're not perfect, but at the same time, we do need to be mindful of it. And if we're recognizing that we're doing it and, and the people around us are giving us feedback that we're doing some of these things, then there's nothing wrong with taking a pause back and making sure that those items are not occurring. Okay. It is important that the work gets done. I'm not discrediting the importance of task performance. However, it should be done in a way that uplifts and encourages and motivates not only the person, but then also the members of the team. Because then once you have that spark, it can spread like wildfire. And from there, the sky's the limit of what can actually happen within the organization. Okay. Leaders should be mindful of it. They can pinpoint the organizational's um, the organization's culture based on it, and if you are leading a team and you're not if you're not consciously trying to put your ear to the ground to really understand the culture of your team, and trying to do things to to make it better, then why are you in a leadership position? If you liked what you heard today, hit the subscribe button. Um, also feel free to follow me on Instagram. So I'm at level underscore the underscore field underscore leadership. I know it's a lot, but some of the other ones were already taken. So remember leadership is hard. Um, and on my Instagram there, I post different quotes and different reminders, short videos. If you need just kind of a pick me up to get you through the day. And like I said, leadership is very hard, but the tools that we talk about today, um, and all the tools that we will eventually talk about, we've got a lot that we can get to. Um, hopefully they will help you level the field so you can effectively lead your team. Take care of yourself, take care of your people, and until next time.